It's 6 a.m. Rise and shine. Let's talk sports and welcome to the grind. And good Tuesday to you and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Tuesday edition. Jeff, welcome in. Always fun. And uh, it's been a minute. Been a minute since we've had you in studio. But uh, well, they say distance makes the, the heart grow fonder. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. And we're we're fond, but uh, we're, we're, we'll get about our, our business this, this morning. But NASCAR is kind of where we're going to start today. Got a pretty pretty full slate. Uh, Tennessee football's on the deck as 81 days till it's football time in Tennessee. Uh, you've also got um, some SEC coaches that have comments. Uh, anonymous comments, which it's funny because just as the the nature of the league, you can kind of assume who who are the comments, and uh, so we'll try to dive into that. There's some anonymous comments out about Tennessee as they come into 2020, what to expect, et cetera, et cetera, and then opening up with NASCAR. Uh, just just going to talk a little bit about Homestead in the middle of the year. One, the weird part of that, and then two, the announcement yesterday that Bristol will be the site of the all-star race. That's awesome. It's, I mean, you, yeah. boogity, 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 let's go racing, right? Yeah. I, I love it. Um, NASCAR this weekend, Homestead Miami Speedway. Uh, what was interesting for a lot of reasons. Uh, I mean, of course, the the, the scene and the, the landscape that is kind of sports right now and, and the, the, the stance it's taken on some issues – uh, NASCAR continues to be that that kind of lightning rod, if you will, to kind of uh, break some things up and and to kind of give us sports in a time where uh, people are talking about anything but. But uh, Homestead Miami, uh, usually the last race of the season, kind of was supposed to be an early year race, and then due to the COVID shutdown, it gets pushed into June. Miami in June, they had to love that. Oh, I'm sure. I bet that was nice <laughs> and toasty down there. Well, that you know, they were talking about you know the last few weeks the the heat has been something else just because they're in places because NASCAR even though people think it's just a bunch of good old boys that just throw some stuff together, it's calculated to the utmost. Like they go they go to Daytona when it's you know now granted the July Daytona race you're you're in for some heat but I mean it's on purpose right but you, you know there, there's certain there's reasons why they come to Bristol in the spring and then hit it again in the in the august timing because that's real good heat and and bristol's in the mountains so i mean it it kind of they're calculated to a point so when everything got shifted they're at they're at places in times and temperatures that they weren't expecting and and homestead miami was no different honestly to my to my liking one of the better weekends since they've come back because the xfinity race was awesome uh the cup race was awesome and honestly the racing the tires, the pit strategy, the lack thereof in some of those categories uh, just made for a really good race. Yeah, I I enjoy watching the races when tires are an issue. I don't I don't want to see just random tires blowing, but I like to see them wearing. 
I like it when you see like, okay, we have to do this or we have to slow off so that we don't destroy the tires too mm. fast. And and for me that that adds strategy, that that adds oh, yeah. a whole lot to it. Well, I, I love the the you know I was I've told you and I think I've even said it on the air several times. I don't care if they ever qualify ever again. Like I love what they're doing. I honestly I would I wish it was more everybody got the draw. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't the top twelve get the top twelve spots. I wish everybody had the opportunity to get pole. But I understand what they're doing there. Here's the thing I like about it is you don't have the the Chad Canalses of the world. I know he and Jimmy aren't together anymore, but you don't have that guy that can kind of dissect and micromanage and have you beat before you ever get to the racetrack. You've got a guy who, well, this is the car we brought here last time. Here's a car in these temperatures, da 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 da, that that worked well. And here's the the here's what we're gonna roll out today. And they've got those first twenty five laps that they're either gonna be like. It's going to work or, oh, no, you know, and then they've got to come out of it. So I, I like the strategy portion of that. Just get off the get off the trailer, run, because it's really it's grassroots racing. I mean, people don't go to to dirt tracks and, and you know, get three days worth of hot laps. You know what I'm saying? They, they get there. They test out what they've got. They make a few minor adjustments and it's rock and roll. Yeah, I miss qualifying. I don't miss the practice because I, I used to watch all three because you used to have qualifying and then practice on Saturday and then the race on Sunday. Mm. And I don't miss practice. Practice was boring. It's practice, just practice. Yeah, right. practice was in running laps. Oh, Iverson. I, I liked qualifying because that was where there was some tension to it. You had, okay, I just posted the best lap. And then they you know they've got their ticker board up there and then – You've got, okay, is he going to come out there? Or you've got the, the guy that doesn't have a sponsor. Is he going to make the field? Right. You know? And so for me, there's a little bit of s some tension, some drama. I liked watching qualifying. I always thought it was fun. But with the charters, though, I, I mean, that, that guy not making the field is almost non-existent anymore anyway. Yeah. With it, the charter system. Yeah. I, it, I still I like, miss qualifying. I like qualifying because you could just blaze it. Like, you could yeah. set the car up to go 200 mile an hour, and they just I hammer think, it down. I think let them get rid of practice. I think it's my whole, uh, it's my whole uh, you, Days of Thunder love. Yeah. It's when uh, – <laughs> you remember you remember what the time I'm talking about when he goes and drives Rowdy's car? Right, and it's Thunder Rally's time. Well, he says, he says, uh, he says you, you bend it one bit. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he he uses ex, as as Boone would say, expletives. Expletives. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, he he goes on and he says he says I'm gonna drop the hammer, and old Harry Hogg or, or Robert Duvall says No, you're not. And the next thing you know, come on. And that's like my favorite thing, like in the movie, because everybody drops the hammer all the time. <laughs> but in that yeah. movie, they're like, I'm gonna drop. It the makes hammer. me wonder, like, was he driving around in third gear or something? Like, yeah, just, right. Yeah, like or fourth, like I mean, like did you have something left on the bone? Like why are you, why are you wide open, nine grand going ah, all the yeah. way around through there? So anyway, I love what's going on though, just because of the strategy. Like I said, it gives those. I think it gives those young guys that that maybe the Timmy Hills of the world, they've got just as good a chance of swinging heavy and hitting. Like oh, uh, oh what was his name? Uh, Reddick, Tyler Reddick. Mm -hmm. I mean, he went from like twenty fifth to eighth. Like that. Yeah. I mean, like 13 laps. So, I mean, he hit something nice and then ended up making a good run of it. But I loved the weekend. I thought it was funny. You know, everybody's giving Jimmy Johnson something. 
One, I thought it was funny that the Grand Marshal was Jimmy Johnson, not the race car driver. Yeah, it I was, thought that was kind of funny. It was uh, Jimmy with a Y, as they were calling him. Uh, but they had this whole trivia pre-race in, like, Race Hub, NASCAR Race Hub, talking about, like, you know, who has more wins as a as a, as a athlete or whatever. You know, Jimmy with a Y, Jimmy with an I. And it was funny. Who has more championships? And, of course, that was easy. Uh, but, you, you know, they had this whole this whole deal. But I thought it was funny because he was uh, – it was Miami, you know, where Jimmy kind of – I guess blasted onto the scene. He had some good years other places like Oklahoma State, Arkansas as an assistant, da-da-da. But uh, he really blew onto the scene in Miami. That's always kind of been his return home, Miami-Dallas. But uh, I thought it was good that he did that. But I swear, they ask uh, who is the which Jimmy has been on a reality TV show, Jimmy with an I or Jimmy with a Y? Do you know the answer? I'm going to go with Jimmy with a Y. Do you remember it? You're correct, but do you remember what show he was on? And I'm on? trying because I remember seeing him on something, but I'm drawing a blank. It but, was Survivor. That's right. Yeah, it was. And I I remembered that after they said it, but it was like, yeah, he was, and his hair still looked the same. Yeah, because yeah. it was like I'm pretty sure his. They were like, "What's one item you're gonna take?" And he was like, "That hairspray. Got to yeah. take that hairspray. I can use my hands as a comb, but I need that <laughs> hairspray." But anyway. Uh, anyway, but they, they named the southernmost tunnel after Jimmy Johnson at Homestead Miami Speedway. And it says seven, I think it says seven-time champion Jimmy Johnson southernmost tunnel. I'm like, you couldn't have shortened that up at no, all? Like no, JJ's we ha- we, it, They wanted it so that it would span the entire tunnel. Well, literally. Like, it, it's the funniest <laughs> thing because, you know, Homestead, all the, all the outside walls and everything's that turquoise, that mm-hmm. beachy color. Well, anyway... On that tunnel, it's the beachy color, and then on this, the left side, it's got the big 48, like, I'm talking life-size 48, like huge. And then on the right side, it's the uh, Lowe's cardboard cutout of, of Jimmy Johnson with his seven championships sitting there, and then it has the, the name, you know, Jimmy Jimmy Johnson, seven-time champion Jimmy Johnson, southernmost tunnel, and then it has seven little trophies wow. that go around it. I'm like, there you go. That paint guy was looking at the list, looking up at them, looking at the paint list, yeah. looking up at him going, you really want to say all of this? <laughs> <laughs> like, is this just pick what I want and go or, or what? But anyway, I love the race too. I, you know, Denny Hamlin was really good. I mean, I, of course, was a Chase Elliott fan. I thought his car looked like a car that should be in victory lane. That car but looked awesome. It was, I mean, it was a mean looking car. Like if I'd looking in the rear view, I'd have been like, uh-oh. Here he yeah, comes. But, it, it looks so good. So he and he had a really good car, but the problem was is it's like and NASCAR has it's a feast or famine. You're either beating and banging the whole race, or there's one car that can just get out in front of everybody and in clean air create a gap. Yeah, and and unfortunately that's what happened uh, in this race. Uh, I think Chase Elliott, uh, you know, kind of overdrove his tires a little bit, ran out of grip late in the race. Denny Hamlin kind of overcame that, uh, but. But man, what a race and what a honestly what a what a weekend because the Xfinity had a really good run and I'm I've never said this. I don't think I've ever said this in my NASCAR fandom uh of life is I'm I'm maybe more excited about the future of NASCAR than what's in NASCAR right now. 
could see that. I mean, when you look at the the Tyler Reddicks, the Daniel Hemricks, the the Timmy Hills, the 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 Cole Custer. I mean, that if that's not a NASCAR name, I don't know what is. That's a good. Point. But uh, you know, they're they're Chase Briscoe. I mean, all these guys that that run in the Xfinity, and honestly, don't give a dang. I mean, they'll flat just – now Now they look like they're 12 years old. And, and they're not the, the greatest, like, headshot guy. Like, you're not going to say, look at this guy. He's a racer. You're going to go, look at this guy. He's he's an acne sponsor. But uh, but anyway, he's uh, – you know, but they're, they're all over it. I mean, uh, old Tyler Reddick, I mean, he's a two-time Xfinity Cup champion with two different teams, mind you. He changed teams in that. Junior Motorsports and then RCR, uh, but he's—I mean—he's killing it. I mean, he—he's—he's he's, don't ask any questions, don't give any apologies, just drive kind of guy. You hope that maybe all these guys kind of come up together. That mm-hmm. way, some of the rivalries you might get there will transition to the Cup. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm interested in which one of these guys get that 48 ride. Just to be quite honest with you, now you know the the Junior Motorsports. I think it's Noah Gragson's. Uh, drive to have because he's a junior motorsports guy and he wins a lot of races here lately and he's kind of they're prepping that you know what i'm saying he finishes strong every week he has a really good post-race interview they're prepping him to be a to be a future nascar driver if i had to guess it's probably gonna be noah gregson but i mean i think there's gonna be a lot of questions do you do you rob peter to pay paul do you go get a an rcr car do you go get a ganassi car because all of those uh, you know, all those Chevrolet guys, that's really the only buying portion now of racing is, is the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they've got them hooked in, but, uh, I was excited about the weekend though. Heavy racing at the end of, of the Xfinity, heavy racing at the end of the second Xfinity race. And then, which was interesting that they raced the same track two days in a row, but, and then there was really good racing in the afternoon after the rain kind of let up see that's what's been helping me out is because i've not been able to watch some of these races whenever they're normally coming on and like like for sunday for example i wasn't going to be able to watch the race at all and by the time i got back to the house they were only 30 laps in and i was like what and then they had and they were running that davy allison special nice that was really cool i actually enjoyed watching that like oh hey randy like cool i'm watching davy allison that was really neat and uh then they started back racing again, which was really cool. And, and you know, as much as I like – some of the paint schemes were awesome. Chase Elliott's car was fantastic. And then there were other cars. Did you, like, see, did you see Noah Gregson's Xfinity car? Mm-mm. Like, we need to Google it. I don't it, watch I can, Xfinity well, stuff. Well, see, I can't, I can't tell you what it is because it's a video game of some sort, but it was like a turquoise blue color. And then it had like this big monster guy on the hood. It was, it was, I don't know what game it was. Nor, it up. Yeah, it's pretty epic. But anyway, but Chase Elliott's car was really good. I think, I think Ryan Blaney, uh, even he's doing a lot with a little. Like the, the sponsors he has, like it's, it's, I mean, he's got like McDonald's and he's got like all these different little, they're, they're sponsors that normally don't have pretty cars because there's a ton of yellow in them. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, I think he did it. He does a really good the job. The one that it. I was really disappointed in was was mine. Was it the Deuce? Dude, that white, yellow, Green money thing. loan thing. Yeah. That was hideous. I would have rather seen the <laughs> You discount. remembered it, though. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like oh, uh, OJF, oh, that, that car dealer terrible. guy. You know, he's dealer four. Anyway. Um, I just I was so sad seeing that out there. I was like, man, I want you to finish good, but I don't want to see you finish good. I right. just 
I want to watch the number nine car out there because he looked awesome. You know who who really like continues to get under my skin every time I watch racing now? Who? OJL. Joey Logano. Joey Gogano. He was three laps down blocking Chase and pretty much. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, he's he's a bad. That's terrible. Yeah, he's got a little baggish situation going on. But but anyway, you know, here's the deal. That's when you call up your buddy Cal to take him out. Yeah, Cal Naughton. Cal, take him out. Take him out. (laughs) Hey, he he better watch out, especially with Chase Elliott. We got we'll get we'll get Ty you know Ty Dillon or something to act like he don't know what he's doing out there. (laughs) Hey, that's another guy that had a really cool looking car, Austin Dillon. Did you see his? It was Mm -hmm. a flat white and black car. I probably did. I just don't remember. Did you you see what he did? Like his his wife had had their baby like Sunday morning. Oh, geez, super early, and he he comes onto the racetrack. Like I was like. He's going to pass out. The rain delay probably was the best thing for him because he probably got a couple-hour nap. Yeah. But uh, I was like, whoa. But uh, but he had a pretty good run, ran up in top ten, as did Bubba Wallace. Thought he was he was back in the traditional uh, RPM logo, was like the, the petty blue, the, the pink, red, whatever they call that. But uh, good-looking car. Um, I always think that's a car that you can find anywhere on the track. Oh, yeah, it's iconic. But uh, but anyway, good good race. Uh, the biggest news, though, kind of as we go to a break, uh, yesterday they announced uh, it was kind of a two part break because I get a text that says the uh, the All Star race is moving uh, moving out of Charlotte given given COVID protocol, and I'm like, what? Like, what are they going to do? Like, where where are they going to move it? You know, I'm sitting here thinking, well, you can't really go to Florida. It's no better than North Watkins Carolina. Glenn. Yeah. Oh wow. That would, <laughs> talk <laughs> about a turd in a punch bowl. It'd have been like, whoa. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so I'm like, what are they going to do? You can't go to Florida. I mean, it's every bit as bad as North as North Carolina. You, you you know, it's tough to go. You know, to Talladega. You're probably not going to go to one of those big tracks. You want to go. You're going to do it like a mile and a half somewhere. And I'm sitting here going, okay. I don't really care. I mean, I don't mind Atlanta, but it's you know, it's not my my thing. You know, I'm sitting here going, well. Do they go out west? I hope not. Da, da, da. And I'm just like going through the track. Little to no thought of a half-mile track. I didn't think about Martinsville. I didn't think about Bristol. And then they come on Race Hub and said that they're they're going to move it to Bristol. And I I mean, the state of Tennessee just might as well have won again. is because it was it's a situation to where you're going to have an, a no-holds-barred Million dollar shootout on one of the the scrappiest little tracks in NASCAR. Yeah, I'm excited. That's gonna be awesome. To me, that's NASCAR at its best. Thirty thousand fans gonna be in attendance. I don't know how they're gonna space them. Don't know what they're gonna do about it. But excite excited's not the word when it looks like. And I even looked at Laura and I said, "We should go." And she's like, "We're not going." And I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, okay." I'm glad you keep me grounded. But anyway, she didn't say. When is that? June the fifteenth. June fifteenth. Like next week, or sorry, sorry, maybe it's July fifteenth. I'm sorry, July fifteenth. Uh, that would make more sense. They they can't. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they can't turn it around that quick. <laughs> that would be to yesterday. Yesterday, yesterday, yeah, July fifteenth. July fifteenth. NASCAR All Star Race will be moved to Bristol Motor Speedway, marking only the second time in the event's history it will be held away from Charlotte. Um, Marcus Smith announced on FS1's Race Hub. I just happened to be watching that too. I was like. Why am I watching? And then all of a sudden, it, it gave me a reason to watch it. Jerry Caldwell, general manager of Bristol Motor Speedway, said the facility can hold 155,000. The crowd allowed would be less than 20% capacity. 
uh, tickets are on sale now is, is, is in really bold words in this, uh, in this article. <laughs> it says, as you can see, areas open up. I think we start to concentrate on where we could have fans back. He said the rest of this year's schedule, obviously uh, we can't keep the integrity of the championship in place and race at many facilities as possible uh, that were on the original schedule. But if we have the opportunity to make one or two additional adjustments, uh, where we can get fan back, we obviously want to do that. So I think that opens the door for, you know, if, if things are, are getting to a place to where uh, they would have fans in one location and not in the other, especially like Charlotte where they've got that six-track alliance, mm-hmm. you know, they may move some things. Instead of going to Charlotte, we'll go to Atlanta. Instead of going to Atlanta, we'll go to we'll go to Bristol. I think Bristol is probably going to be played back, played out. But the good thing is, is where they've got fans back in the stands. Bristol getting a three, three, three weekend kind of situation. I mean that that helps Bristol out. I'd like to see another race at Richmond. Richmond's always been one of those tracks. It's fast. It's small. You, you you've always got something going on there. We need to we need to just tune up North Wilkesboro. Just do it. I'd be cool with that. Do it or Rockingham. Rockingham's another uh, good one. I'm pretty sure though there's probably grass in the, like everywhere. Like that's I'd okay say too. It's not. Yeah, just leave it alone. Just pull just, in and go. Just put on the tread tires. Drop it and go. But anyway, anyway, we don't know. But uh, Bristol is the new site for the All Star Race. A million dollars, no holds barred, in the last great Coliseum. I think that's going to be pretty epic. I think it's going to be fun, and I think there's going to be some tempers flare. Oh, I could definitely. see some helmets getting thrown. Uh, I could see some 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 uh, number ones being displayed for some people. Uh, maybe Joey Logano gets the business. I'm kind of hoping. Uh, he, he maybe gets Joey dealt. Logano and Kyle Busch give each other the business. Oh man, as Chase Elliott's winning. Like I mean, that's a great weekend. I don't know. <laughs> You're like if he bring if he brings that. that paint scheme for that car. I will. I will You're watch like, him. That's win. the guy. That's yes. the guy. But anyway, uh, who knows? But I think that's the cool part about being at Bristol. Being the All Star Race, I mean, the 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 sound, the speed, the the everything that Bristol brings is is just something that why is it never? After he announced that, we're like, why have they never done this mm-hmm. before? And you know what? They get to answer that question. They're going to show us why they either have or haven't done it before. We'll talk about it all on the flip. We'll talk a, a little bit about SEC football on the flip side of the break. You're listening to the Grind, 100.9 FM, 8:50 AM, and streaming. WKVL.com. We'll be right back. Alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM. Rocky Top Sports. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. The Blunt Partnership is committed to leading the Blunt County business community through this coronavirus outbreak. We will continue to be a resource for all businesses as well as supplying up-to-date information for our community. Please check out our website for updated information at www.bluntchamber.com or search for Blunt Chamber on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work? Or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. A public service announcement from Knox Area Rescue Ministries and your friends at Blunt Broadcasting Corporation. During the Safer at Home order, Knox Area Rescue Ministries has continued to provide a home to those without one. It's shown why CARM is an essential business in our community. CARM Stores was recently designated as an essential business as well. CARM Stores, thank you for your previous support and are excited to announce the reopening of donation centers and stores. As we resume receiving your generous donations, we recognize that business might not be completely as usual. We will continue to monitor guidelines from local officials and practice safe social distancing recommendations. We appreciate your continued support of Knox Area Rescue Ministries and CARM stores as we remain dedicated to serving the homeless, needy, and vulnerable during this time. A public service announcement from Knox Area Rescue Ministries and your friends at Blunt Broadcasting Corporation. Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville, a company invested in Blunt County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Jana, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with, And I'm proud to say that they built the grindonsports.com into what it is today. But if you need marketing and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. Their phone number is 865-982-7007. Or you can check out their work online, 42sd.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007 or online at 42sd.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. Got golf? IguaniFarmsGolf.com 970-7132 Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts. We've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcast and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything the Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKBL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Tuesday edition. Jeff, I, I swear, if you heard me going into the last break, like that automated stuff, it's going to happen, like whether mm. whether oh, I yeah. want it to or not. And uh, Ready or not, here we go. 
Yeah, it was uh, three, two, one. Yep, I'm live. But uh, nonetheless, nonetheless, we'll we'll try to be better about that in this segment. But Athlon Sports had a had an opportunity to get opposing SEC coaches together and talk about each other anonymously uh, once again this year. And, and it's always interesting because I feel like when you can tag somebody anonymous, you get a little bit more reality. Uh, it says it's also always one of the more interesting pieces to read right before the season gets started and to get to fill out programs uh, on the other side heading into the year. It says, over the past few years, Tennessee has been the punchline of a lot of these articles. I didn't really appreciate that, but, I mean, it, it is what it is. With several coaches pointing how bad a shape the program was under Butch Jones, slowly but surely, that's starting to change. Enter, entering year two under Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee isn't dealing with big expectations, but most feel like they're ready to take a step in the right direction. Yeah, it. I mean, Tennessee. Tennessee Sorry, year had, three, year three with Jeremy had what what got them the punchline was that atrocious coaching carousel that that just kind of paved the way, and then when it finally settled down, and 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 Pruitt was selected, that to me was, okay, they've got their guy, now stick with it, shake loose all the other six coaches that were, you know, possibly selected and the one that got ran out and, you know, <laughs> get 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 all, get all past that. And then and, – and, and I think they have. I really do because, you know, everybody's behind one guy. He's shown glimpses where he's like, we're getting this going the right direction. And I, so, to me, I don't think they can be that punchline anymore because – they're every you're not you're not in that Arkansas category. You're not in that Missouri, um, depending on what year it is, Kentucky anymore. I think you've elevated above that and now you're knocking on the door of the Florida and the Georgia. Yeah, and, and I think you just look at it. It says it, you you know, last year was what it was, and I think we ride the high off the finish, not necessarily the start, but exactly. But I mean I think you look at it, the Vols dropped five of their first seven games. Uh, not not the greatest of starts. Upsets by Georgia State and BYU, but Tennessee responded by winning its final six games, seven of their last eight, including a bowl victory in the Gator Bowl over Indiana. Uh, Third-year Vols coach Jeremy Pruitt's hoping the strong finish will yield major dividends, major results in 2020. But uh, I thought it was interesting the tune to coaches we're a little bit different, and we'll we'll kind of give our opinion on who uh, who who might be saying said comments. Uh, first one says they should have a really strong offensive line, and they've got a fourth year quarterback. He's not the most talented. He has shown some really bad decision making, but experience at quarterback is invaluable in the SEC. The problem is they have to put the right weapons around him. I think that's a probably a valid point. Honestly, I think it's it's very clear. It's it it is what it is. And Garantano has given more than enough ammunition for somebody to say that. And and part of the thing that validates that statement is this guy. I mean, he started a lot of games and looked bad in a lot of games, and then you don't start him, and he comes. I mean, and it's and it's just as simple as. He doesn't start the first series, but he comes off the bench and he looks great in some series. I mean, we watched him not start games last year and take games over coming off the bench. And to me, that's, I mean, whatever works, great, but it's a little backwards. And so, it, I mean, it kind of validates that a little bit that, 
he needs to get that pressure of being the starter taken off, and when he does, man, he can play loose. Who, who do you think said that? I have a really odd one. Is, and it's just because I is I, this article all comments from one anonymous coach no, 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 or no. multiple think, anonymous? Yeah, coaches? I think this is. Yeah, they're saying another coach said this, another coach said that. Uh, so, so I, no, I think it's all the way around. And I just I'm a junkie when it comes to watching like media days and stuff. So I'm gonna tell you who I think it is. I think it's Jimbo Fisher. Okay. I just just the the way he phrased his words. That's why I think it's Jimbo Fisher. Okay, I could see that. I have no idea why he would even care or why he would even have a, a, an opinion about Tennessee because we don't play them uh, but for a while. But nonetheless, uh, I don't know. I don't see. I, I had it in my head that this was all one coach that that they were talking to, not multiples. I wish so they, you, they you think spelled that out some. Do you think it's the old the old muskrat? See, that's what I thought. Will Muskrat. This whole article, to me, it, the way, especially the way he dissects the defense. Yeah, he talked about Garantano a little bit, and yeah, they talk. He, I mean, you, all in one statement, he talks about the offensive line, the quarterback, and putting weapons around him, and that's just bam, 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 bam. Like, like what I love about this next comment is, is that he, like, whoever this is, and it may be Muschamp in this one. He said, defensively, it's up in the air. Uh, it says they have really great corners, but they're bad at safety. He said they've got talent in the front, but they're not really special. It's iffy. The good news is that they look more like the old Tennessee. They're bigger, faster. They're developing guys they recruit, and those two things haven't worked together for that defense in a long time. That's Muschamp. And that's where I got that because, yeah. to me, he he respects – a defense because that's what he I mean that that's his that's his claim to fame. But but I love that. I would print that and that would be in every defensive player's locker like oh, yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Especially the safeties being flat called out like that. And you know what I would do? Who whoever you're playing that week, you just croy label their name on it. Yeah, this this is what they said. <laughs> this is what they said. He or or when you miss something week. in practice, when you miss something in practice, be like, they must have been right. Yeah, uh, iffy. Iffy's what they said. Yeah, iffy. Iffy. Oh, iffy there. Uh, but anyway, I, I think that's a you know there's a fair statement there because there are some youth in some places. But I mean Tennessee brings back Henry Toa Toa. They bring back you know you know guys on the 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 corners that were really good. And I and I think when you have good pieces there, then the the safeties don't have to be great. You yeah, know? you you when you have good corners that can play really good man. That helps your safety out because he can do a little more of what he wants to do, which is kind of patrol the field, look for the middle, maybe help over the top some. If your corners are, you know, if they can't keep up, you're going to end up playing a lot of zone, and it, it makes it hard. Right, and, but but those are two comments about Tennessee coming out of this this little deal or whatever. But the uh, the guys who put it together, Trey Scott and Brandon Marcello. Uh, they they picked Tennessee to finish third in the East behind Florida and Georgia. It said, I still think uh, Tennessee's about a year away, maybe two, uh, from us going, hey, that's a nine-win team. He said, I think they're looking like a seven- or eight-win team this year, but that's pretty good considering uh, they've got to finish drives. They have issues offensively last year, and I think that's because of their quarterback play. Uh, they have to be above average at quarterback but need uh, a great quarterback to be elite. So they're two steps below championship level so uh to speak uh they they uh, they've got to play at the quarterback position to be special and I, I think that's a that is a valid statement 
Now, looking at the schedule, again, orange color glasses can give you more more wins than than what you what you should have. But there's conflicting stories out there. Uh, there there's stories about Florida going eleven and one, winning the East, but their lone loss being to Tennessee. I think that's a that's a I where feel are they like, playing at? I think they play in Knoxville. Then I can see that. I think they play in Knoxville. Yeah, even years we play in Knoxville. Uh, but but anyway, you, you know, I, I think you, you have to say uh, what's going on at Alabama. You, you know, what what's happening there because, uh, you know, there's, there's a little bit of turmoil. You know, you've got the strength coach that left. You've got a new quarterback coming in since Tua's gone. Is there an opportunity to beat Alabama? I, I think the opportunity is there. Believe me, we we've played them closer with less. Is what I'm trying to try to get at. But you, you know, and then Georgia. A lot of people want to say Georgia's down, and yeah, Georgia's lost some recruiting battles. But it's it's been four or five years since Georgia had to start freshmen. Uh, Georgia is not going to feel the the load of losing recruiting battles this past spring uh, this year. You know, they're they're gonna they're gonna have a guy in there. They've got two. Big stud transfer quarterbacks who's going to have to battle it out. One from Southern Cal, one from Wake, and and you know, I think they're going to be pretty good again. Now, now, do I see a chink in the armor? Could we start unfolding things because Mel Tucker's gone for a couple years and he was there when they were really, really great? Uh, you know, is is Jim Chaney two years removed? Is there more of a of a vat, more of a, a gap in between what he was doing and what they're what they're at now? DeAndre Swift's gone. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to say they've taken a step back, but it's one of those deals when you're three steps ahead, one step back doesn't slow you down. Right. It, yeah. It, when you when you can absorb blows like losing major pieces and still, you know, be competitive, I yeah. And and we'll uh, over the next few weeks, you know, we're, we're going to try to get into our 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 schedule breakdown and 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 kind of going game by game maybe week by week kind of looking at it but uh you, you know i think i think we're somewhere between seven and five and nine and three you know i i think you look at it we've got oklahoma on the road that's a tough out especially in norman yeah they've got a new quarterback but they've had a new quarterback for like the last four years and two of those guys won the heisman trophy exactly um, so I think that's a tough out, especially early on when they're going to be as healthy as they're going to be. Uh, so we've got to travel out there. Florida, uh, Georgia, Alabama. Uh, I think if you, you – honestly, in that in that stretch, I think we go one of four or one and three. I don't I don't know exactly what that, what that pedigree looks like. And, and, you know, closer we get to season, I'll get a little bit more uh, opportunistic. But I think realistically right now – uh, one and three in those four games is what I expect, and if we do that and we win one of those games, then I think we're on that nine and three trajectory. No, no, no joke. But you know, you lose all four of those, uh, and, and then you you lose one you shouldn't later. You could be seven and five. Uh, but I do think I think Tennessee has grown past the the Vandys, the the Kentuckys, the Missouris of the world, and I, I've always said. We've got to beat those guys consistently before we can ever think about the Florida Georgias. And, and they Alabama. can't slip. That's right. the key. You can't slip because it right now you've got that confidence. You're riding high. You finish strong. You're you're ready to go in. You're you're coming off of a hiatus because nobody's been playing, and you have that confidence of we're not going to lose to the guys that we should beat. 
and you want that. You know, you're going to be a challenge to the guys that you shouldn't beat. That's what you want. If you go in there and and and, and I know Kentucky was was a little tough last year because you know they're they're trying to turn it around a little bit, but you can't lose to Vandy. You know, you can't lose to to you know a. You can't lose to Arkansas. Arkansas, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a team that's on the schedule this year, and, and in my mind right now, June the 16th, I sit here and I go, awesome, one time we don't get Arkansas when they're when they're at their best. You know, because yeah. it, it was weird. For a long time there, we only got Arkansas when they had an all-generation player or were ready to compete for a national championship. 98, they come to town. They're like hot to trot, ready to go. And, you know, we ended up winning, but but this thing is, is they were still really good. Arkansas is an ebb and flow, and we seem to always get them on the uptick, right? Oh, yeah. We got them again when they had Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, all those guys. Then we got them again when, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Bobby Petrino had them just studded out. I mean, just had them ready to play. Uh, I still have nightmares about that punt return. Uh, <laughs> but and, and so, anyway, I was expecting, you know, Chad Morris to have them uh, them ready to play. Uh, for a natty since they were coming to Knoxville uh, in 2020, but they're not. Chad Morris ain't even coming to Knoxville, and uh, and Sam Pittman uh, makes a return, and it'll be the first time that he goes against Jim Chaney. Uh, so that'll be an interesting dynamic. So, well, I'll say that it'll be the first time as a head coach he goes against Jim Chaney because he was uh, he was on the other sideline at Georgia this past year. So, uh, but I'm I'm a I like these anonymous things because I think you can use it as billboard material. I don't know that Coach Pruitt is that kind of coach, but I know I'm that kind of – I was that kind of player. I was that kind of guy because I just wanted to sit there and go, really? That's what you think? I don't think he's that kind of coach, but at the same time, I think he will let someone else be that coach. Mm. He'll, he won't come out there with it, but he will let one of his other guys, maybe T. Martin or somebody, go up there and be like, you see this? Smack. And well, put it on the mirrors in the in the weight room, everywhere. Yeah, and he won't say nothing about it. He's maybe let it maybe go. they'll get a special jersey called the Iffy Player of the Week. The Iffy, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, and that's who that's who's slacking it off this week. The Iffy, you can't do that though. I mean, that's kind of that's frowned upon in this establishment. I can kind of see that, but anyway, who knows? Who knows? But I think it's funny that that in in a, anonymity, that's a big word, right? In anonymity, anonymous sources seem to give their true opinions. And uh, one one was a little bit more, in my opinion, um, a little more frugal with their comments. They mm-hmm. said that that basically, uh, you know, Jerry Garantano's just got to play better, and they've got to put good wide receivers around him. Which honestly, there's there's a vacuum when Marquez Callaway and Juwan Jennings leave, but there also is is you know, you know Palmer, uh, Brandon Johnson, uh, some of these young bucks coming in, D'Angelo Gibbs. There there was argument that he probably could have played last year. And with Marquez Callaway and and Jawan Jennings, so I think I think there's going to be some good pieces there. Now, are they ready to be you know coined one of the best wide receiver cores in the conference? No, but I think that's where that's where all good good wide receiver cores start is is potential, and then it's how it develops from there. So I think a couple years with the the same fix, you know, with the the T Martins, with the the Jim Chaneys, having that ni- dynamic kind of understood now. The the lingo isn't. You know, we're not having to learn new new conversation, new new play structure. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to help both Garantano and or Garantano and uh, and the wide receiver crew. And then yesterday got a uh, Hudson Wolf, uh, number one tight end in the class of 2021. Uh, Tennessee just keeps racking them up. That's good. That's awesome. 
it's a it's a way to build, and that's the way they're doing it in Tennessee, and hopefully can carry some momentum into the fall. But right now, uh, full steam ahead for the Volunteers as they they pick up really well on the recruiting trail and uh, and get a little steam uh, from an anonymous coach that says maybe they're not that good. Iffy. Iffy. Iffy's the word of the day. (laughs) Iffy. But let's take us a break. Listen to these great sponsors. When we come back, we're going to do 81 days until it's football time in Tennessee. 1981 had some champs. uh, And also, who wore number 81 and that has made it to the Hall of Fame? We'll talk it all on the flip. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, and streaming at WKVL.com. We'll be back. You don't want to miss it. a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. Throw the guesswork out. This Father's Day, let Dad pick out exactly what he wants with a gift card from Rule King. He can find the perfect tool set, workwear, farming supplies, and more for the lowest prices every day. Don't stress over sizes or brand preference. Let Dad pick out the gift that's perfect for him. Purchase a Father's Day gift card today at your local Rule King. America's Farm and Home Store. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. In uncertain times, you can be certain of this. The Salvation Army is serving those most in need with help and hope. Thanks to your donations, the Salvation Army is helping those affected by COVID-19. Those who've lost wages, who have no home to retreat to, who need food, help with utilities, and most of all, hope. To see how you can continue to make a difference, visit SalvationArmyUSA.org. Got something you're grinding on? Give us a call at 865-983-4310. Now back to the grind with host Wayne Kaiser. 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Tuesday 
edition. Jeff, 81 days until it's football time in Tennessee as it sits right now. But uh, 81 days, 81 is the number. We talk about who wore number 81 for the Vols, who wore number 81 in the professional ranks, and then what happened, who were champions in 1981. But start with Tennessee. Uh, Michael Rivera, uh, he's a guy who in the in the 20 teens, I guess you would say, uh, wore the, the number 81. The Vols had never had an all-SEC selection to wear the number 81. But uh, Michael Rivera will, you know, ultimately go down as one of the better uh, 81s. As he was just a he was he was a guy that was pretty decent in a really bad situation. It was not a really good Tennessee team, but he was a guy that was kind of he was just you know kind of Johnny on the spot. He would do what he needed to do, and uh, and, and honestly uh, had the opportunity to go to the NFL, made a way, uh, got on the the roster for the uh, for the Raiders, and then continued to to kind of piece it around. And, uh, and and honestly, I need to check up on old Michael Rivera, but he he may still be in the league. No kidding. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, just he kind of journeymaned around. But uh, you look at it. He said, "I wear it because it was my high school number. That being eighty-one, it's my favorite number." And he he said, "Growing up, and this is a tight end." Said, "I always enjoyed watching To make plays while wearing." The number eighty-one. I just tell you, if you're, uh, you, you've got to have an edge if you're, if your go-to guy's To, because yeah. To brash is is honestly, it's it's he's one of the few players where the word brash, you're like, I don't know if that covers it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's exactly. You remember right. when he was working out out in his driveway uh, when he was in the contract negotiations and he was working out with the camo shorts on in the driveway and all the the reporters were around him. You remember that? That was in a simpler time. Yeah, it was. Was that? Let's see. Was that Eagles or Forty Niners? No, that was that was when he had kind of blew up and was big. I think that was when he was. I want to say that's when he went from. Did he go from Cowboys to Eagles or from Eagles to Cowboys? I think he went from Cowboys to Eagles. Because he, I know he went from the Niners is when he went and stood on the star, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> for, for some, it wasn't. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, you, you know, he, he kind of had a dynamic about him uh, that you were like, huh, well, you, you never have to wonder where uh, where T.O. stands. I always thought that was so funny that he went out there and stood on the star for the 49ers, and then he ended up playing for Dallas. Yeah. I thought that was straight great. up, straight up. I've, I've still got the. Uh, you remember when he uh, he scored a touchdown, went and got that that guy's popcorn, and like poured it in his helmet. That was awesome. I feel like that was a that sounded a lot better than it probably actually was <laughs> because I, I've got that I've got that card of him doing that, and I'm just like, you're never gonna get that out of there. No, like it, it, it you had already seen it was like wedging up, but nonetheless, nonetheless, To. Uh, was Michael Rivera's kind of go-to guy. Jim McDonald wore, wore 81 for Tennessee. He was a defensive end, 66 through 68. He said, my th- favorite thing about wearing the number 81 was that it was always the last one out of the dressing room on game day. I guess that's your thing. I mean, sure. if you just like to turn the lights off on your way out, that's cool. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you know, some people just – they don't have an affixation with the number. It just kind of takes on a story all its own. But uh, all-time 81s, Dave Stevenson wore it first for the Vols in 1946. Pete Weddle uh, wore it in 51 for a national championship team. Edwin Halliday wore it in 52. Wayne Gibson, 53. Bill Spoon in 54. Murray Armstrong, 1956. Mike LaSorsa uh, wore it 57 through 60 for the first player that wore it for more than a single season. Uh, kind of interesting dynamic there. Whit Cannell 
uh, 61-62. Ralph Anderson wore it in 63. Paul Namoff, uh, a, a player that, that we just lost just a few years ago, uh, but an all-time player uh, in Tennessee history, 64 and 65. Jim McDonald, again, 66 through 8. David Beckler. 1969, Tim Fitzpatrick, 72 through 75. Jeff Smith, 82 to 85. Alvin, big man Harper, 87 through 90, a big-time uh, receiver for the Vols. Dwayne Freeman, 92. Benji Schuler, 94-97. Edward Kendrick, 99 to 2000. Tony Brown, 01 through 04. Josh Briscoe, 05 through 08. And 2010 uh, was Michael Rivera. Josh Briscoe. Uh, played right down the road from uh, Crest High School where Mr. Chris Hibbs played high school. He actually knew Josh Briscoe. No kidding. Yeah, no joke. Big, tall mm. Josh Briscoe. I saw Josh Briscoe one time at a Tennessee baseball game, and he's at the concession stand. And, you know, it, <clears throat> athletes, especially Division One athletes, you you know they're Division One athletes. They just look different. I mean, they're just very tall. They're very, you know, cut up, athletic, however that looks. But he's there, and he's got a hoodie on, and, and, you know, I'm looking, and I'm like, I should know this guy. Because especially young in a career, they don't take that helmet off a whole lot for you to really know what they look like. And he's he's handing money to a, to a girl, and, and he has a ring on his right hand. And it, it was weird because it kind of looked like a wedding band. And he's handing money, and all of a sudden his hand opened up, and on the inside of his hand, it was a, it was a bowl game ring that he had turned around because he didn't want anybody to know – that he was wearing his bowl game ring. Wow. It was the craziest thing. And and he was a big, tall, lanky feller, and, and that ring was monstrous. I mean, it was like the size of this microphone. Really? It was huge. And I went, like, I didn't say anything because obviously he's trying to stay discreet or whatever. But I was just like, cool, cool. And then and then I saw on his uh on his sweats there right here at the number, it had his number. And uh, and so I was like, oh, Josh Briscoe. I wonder what bowl they would have given out a ring that size for. Well, you know, they're all huge now. I like mean, the I, Tax Slayer Bowl. I don't think we had went to that good of a bowl, honestly. I, it, it, I'm trying to think of when he played. He he played in 05 through 08. So, you know, honestly, it might have been an SEC East Championship ring because we went to the SEC Championship in, in 07. That'd be so cool. It, it was either that or whatever bowl game we would have went to that year because 05, uh, we didn't. We were 5-7. and seven. And 08, we were 5-7. and seven. So no bowl games in those two years. So it had to be 06 or 07. And I would think it was probably 07 where, you know, we won the East. But uh, good call. Good call. Good, good talk. Good talk. <laughs> uh, best number 81 uh, listed in sports. There's a, there's a bleacher report says Terrell Owens is the best number 81 in the NFL. I argue that probably to the utmost. And that's just because there's a former Vol in the NFL that's in the Hall of Fame wearing number 81. Who is that? Doug Atkins. Oh, Doug Atkins. Doug the big man, Atkins. But, you know, I think it's it's when you talk about popularity, when you talk about guys who came from a really small school, he came from Tennessee State, uh, and, and or UT Chattanooga. UT Chattanooga. But uh, he came from UT Chattanooga and made his way to the NFL to the Hall of Fame. So, I mean, there's there's something to be said about that, but I just feel like Doug did it on the field and, and T.O. had to try to do it off the field. That's true, yeah. it. I mean, but it it's part of it, though, you know. I mean, he – the stuff that he – because – I'll be perfectly honest with you. If you looked at me and said, who's the 81 that you remember? 
T.O. Yeah. I mean, uh, going out there and kneeling in the star. Don't, don't come at me with logic. <laughs> it doesn't. Logic doesn't mean anything. Listen to this, though. Doug Atkins played 17 NFL seasons. That's that's an uh, eternity. Out of Tennessee. And, and I'm just telling you, he was enshrined in 1982. He was enshrined. So, wow. so this just tells you when he played. That was five years removed. 6'8", 257 pounds. Golly. Monster of a man. Douglas Leon Atkins, All-American tackle from Tennessee, was the Browns' number one draft pick uh, in 1953. He was the ringleader of powerful Bears defense, defensive units for 12 years, exceptionally strong. Agile earned legendary acclaim as a devastating pass rusher, often leapfrog blockers to get at passers, scrimmage line regular uh, more than 17 years, 205 games, he was all NFL four years, played in eight Pro Bowls, and he was out of Humboldt, Tennessee. Uh, big, big man. I remember being there when they when they retired his jersey in Knoxville, and I'm like, if there was like a senior league NFL, he could probably still go. Oh, yeah. Like big dude, big dude. And, and you know, he was one of those guys that uh, – he was big before big was cool. You know, 6'8", 257. The 257 probably could have been closer to 300, but uh, 6'8". I mean, could you imagine the helmets they were were wearing or were not wearing? He was wearing a cooler with a face mask. I don't know what he was. He, they were <laughs> hoping he was wearing more than he was. I guarantee it. But uh, just a just a tough guy. You know, he, he played in Cleveland for just his first two years and really got his acclaim uh, from his time in Chicago. But finished his career uh, with the New Orleans Saints. But he said the toughest part of it all was not the physical punishment, but the constant fatigue. You had to fight fight off. He said, "You drain yourself on every play. Uh, your body's conditioned to absorb the hits, but no matter what shape you're in, there are more factors that tend to tire you out." Said, "If someone hit me a good lick, chances are good I won't even feel it until the next day. But you don't realize how much it takes out of you to hand wrestle or throw a 250 pound lineman around." I just love that you're like, "That's what I did." <laughs> yeah, and he's just. Well, I mean, but for him, I mean. That was probably just the norm. Oh, I mean, I think in Being those days that it's big either, and that huge, and I think in those days it's either you do it or somebody else is going to come back and do it for you. Yeah. Uh, next guy, the wear eighty-one, Tim Brown, wide receiver, kick returner, punt returner is how he went in the Hall of Fame. He said, "I like being a go-to guy. It puts pressure on me, but that's why you play the game." Seventeen seasons, six foot one ninety-five Heisman Trophy winner, uh, selected by the Raiders in the first round, sixth overall selection out of Notre Dame. Uh, he set the Raiders' franchise record for receptions, receiving yards, punt return yards, and at the time of his retirement, his near 15,000 receiving yards were second highest in NFL history. Uh, he had a, a, a thousand ninety-four receptions, which were third all-time, and a hundred touchdown catches, also third all-time. A uh, total of 19,682 combined net yards, fifth all-time at the time of his retirement. He was a nine-time Pro Bowler. Out of Dallas, Texas, Tim Brown. I remember Tim Brown. Tim Brown's always a guy when you talk about receivers, they're like, he's inching ever closer to Tim Brown, who's in in that top five, I think even still today. And uh he's just a he's one of those guys that did it for for a franchise that wasn't really good yeah. in some times when he was playing, but nonetheless he was just that go to guy, as he said. Oh wow. Oh wow. We have we have flat it. drained it. I put yeah. Doug Atkins on a pedestal and he has earned it, but wow. <laughs> I look up, and it got quiet for just a half second. It's 6.59.
It's 6.59, and we've got to get on out of here. But, Jeff, thanks for coming in. We may have to talk about the Year of Champions 1981 uh, tomorrow, but uh, we'll see if Boone's interested in that. But we're going to get on out of here. He's interested. (laughs) Boone knows it. Boone lived it. He lived it. Boone lived it. But anyway, we'll get on out of here. Don't miss Top of the Hour, Jason Swain, the Swain event. 81 days until it's football time in Tennessee. We talked it. Boone lived it. And we'll talk about it again tomorrow. You don't want to miss it. You're listening. 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM and streaming. WKVL.com. Take care, be safe, and yes, grind on.